0: Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the first game-specific preview episode of the Stretch Big Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Bigelow, and if you are tuning in, you know what week of the year it is around these parts in the state of Nebraska. It is Nebraska Creighton Basketball Week, and this podcast will serve as my preview of the game on Sunday at 3 p.m. at PBA in Lincoln, Nebraska. But I will also be giving my thoughts on the rivalry, sharing some of my experiences from my time as a student manager in the Nebraska program Uh, growing up in Omaha, and what my general thoughts on the rivalry are as it stands right now. And then we'll, of course, look at uh, the impending main event on Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. So that's how this podcast is going to go, specific to the one big game on Sunday between Creighton and and Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, 7-0, and first time since 1992-1993. Creighton will be coming in 6-1. and They defeated Oklahoma State on Thursday night in Stillwater, Oklahoma in the Big 12-Big East battle with relative ease. Oklahoma State, uh, not very good. A lot of weird pieces on that team, but we'll talk about that later. So... Bit of a history lesson, this is the 57th all-time meeting between Creighton and Nebraska. Creighton leads the series 29-27. Nebraska has not won back-to-back games in the series since the end of a seven-game winning streak in the late 90s. Uh, The 96-97 season was the last win of that streak, and that was the last time they've won back-to-back games. Uh, last season, of course, in Omaha, Nebraska defeated number seven Creighton 63 to 53. That was Nebraska's first regular season win in Omaha over Creighton since 1995, and just their second win ever at the CHI Health Center against Creighton. Uh, This first one was in the 2004 NIT. Uh, There is that weird Doc Sadler game against Oregon in the late 2000s that they played in that building. That's another game that Nebraska played there. But when it comes to playing Creighton, that was just their second win there of all time. Uh, Last year, Creighton shot 10 of 40 from three. Derek Walker and Sam Greasel combined for 40 points, 22 for Walker, 18 from Greasel. Uh, looking at the teams this year, however, in terms of points from last year's game that are returning, Nebraska has a grand total of f- 16. Juwan Gary had 12 last year in Omaha. Uh, C.J. Wilcher and Casey Tomonaga had two points apiece. Uh, Creighton has 45 of the 53 points they scored last year back, and that is majority in their three-headed tandem of Ryan Kalkbrenner, Baylor Shireman and Trey Alexander. Um, So as some of you know, uh, maybe you don't, um, prior to my time as a part-time, part-time covering the program, I was a student manager for three years uh, with Tim Miles for Tim Miles' final three years as the head coach of the Nebraska Men's Basketball Program. So I was part of the rivalry firsthand. Uh, I was a part of... The 2018 game in Lincoln, which is still to this day one of the best college basketball atmospheres or basketball sports atmospheres in general that I have ever been a part of. Um, I do have a 2-1 record in manager games. Uh, <laughs> the managers from uh, Creighton and Nebraska, they play each other the night before in uh, five and five, you know, 20 and a 5-5, minute half game. And the Nebraska and Creighton managers, they play for a trophy. They play for a little Tykes hoop. Uh, Shout-out to Rob Edwards. Um, the Little Tykes hoop, uh, the Little Tikes hoop game, but yeah, we were we were two and one in my three years against the Creighton managers. Um, so, you know this this rivalry, it's definitely about the fans. It's definitely always been about the fans. If you go to this rivalry has a Wikipedia page. I learned that this week, and uh, would you guess the uh, last line? of text before it gets to the game-by-game results reads, Since Creighton has not had a football program since 1942, there are a significant amount of Creighton basketball fans who also support Nebraska football. These fans are often derisively referred to by Nebraska fans as Jayskers a portmanteau of blue jays and corn huskers those are some big fancy words portmanteau and linguistics a blend there's the merriam-webster word talk for this podcast but uh, yeah that 2018 game man and you know that's this is the 5 year anniversary of that game that's kind of the only time that I can remember where it was kind of expected that Nebraska was supposed to win the game. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that because I was a part of the program. You know, I, I'm 26 years old, and in my time on this planet Earth, Nebraska has beat Creighton in basketball seven times. <laughs> so, you know, that's the, you know, there, I don't remember, you know, I remember some, some, some games from... You know, back in the late two thousands, you know, Doc Doc won in this rivalry a couple times, but yeah, the twenty eighteen game—that's kind of the only time I can remember Nebraska uh, was expected to win, and they did that day, and that produced the all time James Palmer Junior quote after the game when someone told him he had thirty, and he said, "I had thirty. Not gonna lie, I was feeling it." And uh, James had no idea until he got told that in the post game press conference that day. Um, I mean, the rivalry runs deep. It's about the fans. It's a huge you know game for the state um, between the two you know the two uh, power conference basketball Division one programs in the state. I mean, obviously there's a third Division one program, but Nebraska and Creighton don't play Omaha, so it's never going to be as on big of a sta- on as big of a stage as this game is, I mean, just some, you know, I won't get too inside baseball, you know, about, you know, the rivalry, you know, from my own perspective, but I mean, even even when we were playing manager games, the managers don't like each other. I mean, we were, <laughs> the managers didn't like each other. My la- The last year of the Creighton-Nebraska manager game, I witnessed one of my coworkers, who is now a father, just straight up, clothesline, I'm talking like Rambus McHale-style clothesline, a Creighton manager, and then just walk out of the gym and go home. <laughs> and we had – and there was like members of the Nebraska media at the time that were at that game. Uh, you know, Chris Hetty was writing a story for the Omaha World Herald. A um, couple other people were there. And this, this guy just clotheslined a dude and walked out of the gym. And I had never – Seen anything like that before, you know, in, in uh, college basketball manager games. but I mean, that just goes to show you, I mean, the rivalry goes be you know, the fan base. Even the managers, managers don't like each other. There was John, Trash Talk, all sorts of back and forth. But, I mean, that was five years ago now. I don't know how those manager games have gone since my days have uh, come to a close. But, I mean, if you, you know, if you grow up in Omaha, you know, in my time, you know, I was in graduated high school in 2016, was in middle school during the prime, you know, the rise, I guess, of, of Creighton to what they are now. And, you know, Doug McDermott's senior year, the, that 13-14, uh, that 13-14 team, you know, that was my sophomore year of high school, you know, same year Nebraska made the NCAA tournament. But of course, that was, you know, where the the 38 to eight picture that was on social media forever that came from. I mean, there's just, it's a lot of, you know, it's a big game. It's a big game around here. And I think that, you know, these last couple years I've questioned what the game has meant to Nebraska under Fred Hoiberg. I definitely knew what the rivalry meant to Nebraska under Tim Miles, um, both when I was there and b- before I became a student manager, um, you know, it, it, it was, it, you know, the guys on the team knew what it meant. The guys knew what it meant for coach miles. They knew like that's, you know, we heard it even today when rink mast and Bryce Williams were talking to the media. When you see fans out around Lincoln, there's, there's one game they talk about. They say, just be Creighton, Just be this year, And um, you know, I, I, I wonder if under Fred Hoiberg, the, there was a switch flipped last season, just having a guy like Sam Griesel in the program. Um, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I'll, I mean, after that game in Omaha last year, he basically said, this game is for all the players who never beat Creighton, all the Husker players before him. Sam Griesel grew up a fan, grew up in Lincoln, went to Lincoln East, and still to this day calls his one year at Nebraska the best year of his life and that one game uh a day that he'll never forget and remember. And I wonder if, you know, not having these transfer portal mercenaries that we saw for the first couple years of Hoiberg's tenure and having a local kid like Griesel, Josiah Alex on the roster this year. He hasn't really talked much about the whole I'm from Lincoln, I grew up a Husker fan, like we heard from Sam Greasel, but I think that maybe that is what was missing, you know, to get a little more juice back on the Nebraska side in this rivalry. Um, and it's different, you know, from the coaching perspective too, because you know, Coach Miles and Greg McDermott—they'd coach each against each other back to the D two days when Mac was at Wayne State and Tim was at you know places like Northern State, Southwest Minnesota. Um, places like that, not Southwest Minnesota, like Northern state, but North Dakota state was in D two. At one point, miles was there in the transition and McDermott beat him in D two too. And it ate at him then. And it ate at him again, you know, for seven straight, you know, games at Nebraska. And, um, actually, no, he wasn't a coach for all seven, but for at least, uh, six for six straight with miles as the coach, it ate at him. And, um, you know, it's, it's different because, you know, there's some, some connections between Fred, Fred Hoiberg and Greg McDermott, you know, if Greg McDermott doesn't call a press conference on his driveway in Ames, Iowa in 2009 to announce that he's leaving Iowa state to take the Creighton job, does Fred Hoiberg even get into coaching? He was uh, in the front office with the Timberwolves at the time and, you know, took the, took the call, call home to Ames to, you know, try to resurrect the Cyclone basketball program and what followed was, you know, years of great success that led him back to the NBA to coach the Bulls. And now here he is back in college, but, you know, F- Fred coached Doug with the Bulls, you know, when Doug first got into the NBA, um, you know, this past summer, you know, one of Greg McDermott's former players was getting married up in Minnesota. And that's where the Hoybergs have their, you know, summer, you know, lake house and, You know, Max stayed at the lake house. (laughs) He had the, you know, stayed at the lake house for the weekend so he could go to one of his former players' weddings. Um, Two guys that are adamant golfers, uh, you know, Doug's now with the Spurs, and I think Fred's son, Jack, works with the Spurs. You know, there's a lot of overlap. There's overlap between Fred and, you know, Greg McDermott. There's overlap between the staffs, you know, guys You know, assistant coaches, support staff guys that have worked together in the past. Um, You know, Nate Lenzer, I was, you know, I'll shameless name drop, sit here recording this. I was sitting, I was talking with Nate Lenzer tonight at a high school game here in Omaha. And, you know, Nate Lenzer's from Cedar Falls. And his first, you know, he said when he, in 1986 or 1988, he went to Northern Iowa's basketball camp. And his camp counselor was Greg McDermott. And Nate is a Cedar Falls native, and he grew up you know, very close to northern Iowa. And Greg McDermott was a camp counselor of his when he was a kid. And then when he became the head coach at Northern University High School, which is right close to campus, you know, his first, the first college practice Nate Lentzer said he ever watched was when McDermott was the head coach at Northern Iowa. So there are lots of ties between these two staffs that go back quite a bit. I think it's definitely different from what it has been recently. There's, it's, you know, all we, all you heard from Fred Hoiberg today was nothing but, you know, respect, you know, touting how, how good Creighton is, their statistics, what they look like on film. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of respect coming out of Fred Hoiberg, but Fred Hoiberg's a consummate professional. He's not going to have any of the slip-ups uh, I'll call them slip-ups, you know, viral quotes that may be, you know, taken as a shot at Creighton and the program and what they've become. But Fred Hoiberg also knows a thing or two about in-state rivalries. You know, he was the he was a player at Iowa State who grew up in Ames, and he knew a thing or two about uh, beating Iowa as a player and as a coach. So, you know, the last couple years, you know, I've kind of, you know, and it's the Nebraska-Creighton thing across all sports It's kind of been a thing that I've I've noticed, and, you know, it, the, the game means a lot. I think I've thought the game means a lot more to Creighton, uh, both, you know, coaches and athletic department and program-wise. I mean, a prime example, if you want to look at the two game notes, go go look at the game notes for this game from the two, uh, you know, athletic departments. Nebraska's Nebraska's game notes doesn't even call this game a rivalry game. It says unbeaten Huskers to host Creighton, and it'll be a tough early season test you go look at creighton's game notes the subheader is how many games they've won in the last 11 meetings and it will give you a rundown of how many games they've won at pinnacle bank arena how they get off to fast starts against nebraska what you know what the record is you know last 25 years uh it is a whole you know it's a short novel about the dominance that creighton has shown in this series, uh, for most of the, I mean, there is a, there is a excerpt of Creighton's game notes called cracking the vault that notes that they are three and one in games at Pinnacle Bank arena. Uh, it's a little, it's a stark, uh, comparison to what Nebraska put out, but, uh, I've, I've thought the game means more has meant more to Creighton. Um, and that's not just this game, not just the men's basketball game with Greg McDermott, the women's basketball game with Jim Flannery, baseball with Ed Service. Um, I've, I've thought that they, you know, you, you can see the emotion from the Creighton side. I mean, just look at the look at the Twitter clip that was put out uh, after the their game at Oklahoma State. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I know this game means a lot to the fans. Nebraska's called for a red out. They're going to be giving away towels. Um, they're... Hopefully they come out in red jerseys. We need to see red jerseys versus blue jerseys in this game every year. But that's just some overall thoughts on the rivalry um, and where it's at. I know how important it is to people on both sides listening to this podcast. So now we're going to get into a little bit of the game preview. So Creighton is going to come into this game uh, ranked 15th in the country. But boy, oh boy! What stands out about them the most is you know, obviously we. Don't, I feel like we hear about it every year. is that offensive firepower—they're going to be coming into this game, averaging 83 points a game, shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. They're making 12 threes a game. They're out rebounding teams by 10, and it's a three-headed monster for Creighton: uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, the big man inside, Trey Alexander, and Baylor Shireman. Um, the Aurora, Nebraska native, uh, that trio does almost everything for this team. Um, they are all, and it's not just saying it's just them. We'll get to the rest of them, the rest of the guys on this roster too. But the biggest thing about this Creighton team, and we hear about it a lot is the, the, is the, you know, the mantra, let it fly. Uh, they are near the top in America in Threes made per game, percentage of points from three, percentage of field goal attempts from three. Um, They are going to take a lot of them. Uh, They took 40 of them last year. I would be very surprised if that number is not close to that again. Um, I don't think they're only going to make 10 of them this year, but they are going to, you know, their offense, very similar to the ideal Fred Hoiberg offense, not what we've seen from Nebraska recently, but the pace, space, read, react, find an open three, or you know, find a post touch for Kalkbrenner on the inside. Um, they, you know, there. Those are three of their other starters. Their other two starters: Stephen Ashworth, Utah State transfer, shot forty percent from three at Utah State last year. He had kind of, you know, he made, had a big debut in their opener and kind of had a bounce back against Oklahoma State. Scored, um, you know, I don't have the box score in front of me, but he was in double figures, made his first couple threes. He's definitely a little different from Ryan Nimhard. Ryan Nimhard, definitely a lot more twitchy, going to initiate the break, freakishly, freak athlete. And, um, you know, we saw it, Nebraska fans saw it firsthand uh, in the game in the Bryce McGowan's year where nemhart that was kind of Nemhart's coming out party. Uh, he transferred to Gonzaga after last season and Ashworth was brought in uh, to be the new lead guard. Their other starter is Mason Miller, Mike Miller's son. Um, he had been dealing with an illness, missed their last two games in Kansas city due to that illness. Only played seven minutes after he started at Oklahoma state. Um, off the bench, they got Isaac Trout, Grand Island native, Virginia transfer. Uh, Francisco Farabello. Occasionally, we've seen doses of Josiah Doltzler. Jason Green, a Millard North product, was recovering from a a uh, I forget if it was a hand or a wrist injury. It was something <laughs> something along those lines at the start of the year. But Jason has found some bit of a role and uh then the other the backup big man Fred King S- Frederick King 6'10 sophomore comes in off the bench he's definitely their most physical uh physical player for sure when king comes in he's going to bull- he's going to bully he's going to bowling ball uh he's he's uh, i think he's got some potential though for sure so Creighton's been sitting in about an eight-man rotation. Their bench, you know, they didn't do a whole lot against either Oklahoma State or Colorado State, uh, the game on Thanksgiving where they got drubbed at the T-Mobile Center. But, I mean, this team, they those three guys, you know, Alexander Shireman and Kalkbrenner, um, they, if they're, you know, if two of them are on, Creighton is tough to beat. If all three of them are on and performing well like they were in Stillwater, then it's even you know it's an even tougher task. Um, you know, forty-three percent of Creighton's total points this year have been from three. Um, that's you know, that's talking a lot about offense. Defensively, you know, they are actually, you know, they're you know, on Ken Palm, they're a top twenty defense in defensive efficiency. Uh, their defense is, you know, they, they'll run guys off the three. They defend the three well. It's almost like they see it in practice quite a bit. They defend the three well, and they, you know, try to funnel things inside to Ryan Kalkbrenner, you know, all seven-foot one of him who's going to be sitting in drop coverage at the rim waiting for anything, you know, inside. Uh, they'll force mid-range twos. Saw it in their game against Iowa, third game of the year. You know, Iowa's... Transfer Ben Cricky. They ca- they let him get mid range shots, but after the game, Greg McDermott was kind of like, "Congrats, you made a bunch of mid range. Like they'll allow those. They force twos, and um, they they'll take twos. You know, they <laughs> it's crazy. You know, math three is worth more than two. They love to take threes, and they'll gladly allow twos. Player by player breakdown: Shireman, he's averaging eighteen. 18.5 points a game, seven boards, three assists, 48% from the field, 40% from three for the Aurora, Nebraska native lefty. Uh, Trey Alexander, uh, he's definitely the most dynamic player on Creighton's offense. He's the crea- he he's the biggest playmaker. He's going to try to get downhill. He's got mid-range game. He's got every... He's, he's definitely the... I think he's the head of the snake for this Creighton offense. 16.4 points per game six boards four assists 45% from the field only 31% from 3 but Alexander who started the year on a torrid you know hot streak was shooting like almost 80% from the field and he had was one one rebound away from a triple double against Iowa he's he's by i think he is he's definitely you know Kalkbrenner's the biggest guy he's definitely at the top of the scouting report but i think Trey Alexander is the head of the snake uh, Brenner's averaging 15 and 6. He is taking threes this year. He's already made more threes than he made all of last season, and we're just seven games in. He'll get you a couple blocks a game. Steven Ashworth, Mason Miller, Isaac Trout are all shooting 47% from three. Francisco Farabello, who is kind of the only Blue Jay who could get going offensively last year against Nebraska, he's shooting he's at 40%. A majority of Creighton's three-pointers are going to be from the corner and the top of the key. Shireman will pull up from deep. So will Ashworth. Um, You know, they, I mean, it's on, you know, it's been the Creighton thing for years is that let it fly mantra. Um, A fun fact that I saw today, courtesy of Matt DeMarinas, he covers Creighton. For white, for the website White and Blue Review in the last ten seasons Creighton is five and eight when they've played back to bet when they've played two straight road games with two days of rest in between that stat is propped up by a three and O mark in the 2021 season where there were no fans present uh, Shireman Alexander they played the entire second half against Oklahoma State. Um, you know, obviously they're not getting on a plane. They're not traveling across the country to go to this game in Lincoln. But it is another road game. Going to be a pretty chewed up, charged up environment. But you know Creighton. You know they are gonna. You know it's almost like you know, and Fred kind of Fred Hoiberg kind of alluded to it in his media availability. They aren't exactly like running sets. Like Nebraska isn't gonna know every set because of just the creativity, the spacing of this Creighton team. Um, it's going to be, you know, I'm, you know, Trey Alexander, like I said, I, I'm interested to see who starts on him defensively. My guess is Jamarcus Lawrence, maybe Bryce Williams will switch on to him or Juwan Gary off the bench, but I think Jamarcus Lawrence is going to get the first go at him just because he's the most fleet of foot, you know, guard in Nebraska's starting lineup. So I'll be interested to see what the plan of attack is there. Um, Alexander you know he's a three level guy he'll try to get he'll try to blow by you he'll go downhill at you trying to get to the rim has a good mid-range pull-up game and you know if he's if he's on uh, Creighton is tough to stop that Colorado State game that they you know lost on Thanksgiving probably the worst game of his career is one for 16 I don't think that's gonna happen again many times this season with Kalkbrenner, you know it's gonna be a lot of screen and roll. You know, pick and roll. Um, we haven't seen as much of the lob, you know, creating loves. And, you know, it's been the thing with not just him, but going back multiple big men, you know, having a point guard who can throw up lobs to the big guy. We saw Maurice Watson do it with Justin Patton, so much so that it turned Justin Patton into a lottery pick. Um, and then, you know, the guys between, the, you know, all throughout. You know, I was sitting in the hockey press box at the CHI Health Center last year, and I knew because I saw Mac do it three times as a manager, if Creighton wins the tip, I'm not going to be surprised if they run a lob play for Cockburner right off the bat. Uh, they did it the first play of the game last year. They did it two years, two years ago in Lincoln. They did it with Martin Cromple. You know, they, it's a thing. It's a part of the, you know, it's one of their bread and butter plays has been those lobs, but with Steven Ashworth taking Ryan Nemhard's spot, he's not, you know, he's, He's more of a shooter than a passer. You know, he can dribble, but you know, he's I, we haven't seen him throw as many of those lobs up just yet. Um, you know, that's kind of the overview of Creighton on offense and on defense. You know, from the Nebraska perspective, you know, we saw it last season. You know, Nebraska imposed their will right away. You know, Fred Hoiberg said, you know, would later go on to say that they kind of played that game in four minute segments. Every media timeout, you know, kind of felt like a new game. But Nebraska was flying around on defense. Their rotations, their closeouts, you know, the scramble was kind of, it was a scramble drill, basically. You know, they doubled Kalkbrenner, and then they'd scramble on the pass out, And, I, you know, that definitely, that made Creighton uncomfortable. You know, and then the shots weren't falling. You know, and as cliche as it may sound, basketball is a make-shots game. And you know we it's you know that Colorado State game that they Creighton played. I watched that game back a couple times, and it just reminded me more and more of that Nebraska game from last year. You know, and they're you know in in basketball, there's going to be a couple nights a year where shots just aren't falling, and if you cannot pick up the slack on the other end of the court, then things can snowball. And I think that's more so what happened to Creighton. In that Colorado State game, you know Colorado State—it's not like they played out of their minds. They competed hard. They played okay. Isaiah Stevens was definitely the best player on the court, but he had 20 points on 16 shots. He kind of torched them in the second half, and you know they were they were going right at you know because you know Colorado State had some shooters, and Creighton was kind of staying attached to them on the outside, which allowed you know some guards, you know guys like Stevens. And you know the rest. Some of their other guards to get some some leverage to go inside to call inside at Kalkbrenner. and that opened up some backdoor you know backdoor layups you know things like that. Um, I think that game said more. You know, it was just I think that game was more so an off night for Creighton. Uh, they bounced back. You know, after a week off in Stillwater, but for Nebraska, you know, it's it both ends. This game's going to come down. You know, the most interesting, like what I'm most interested in. Is the defensive scheme you know, for both teams? You know, Creighton, they're gonna have Kalkbrenner in that drop coverage. They do not want him away from the rim. We've heard about you know how Rink Mast is a floor spacing big, he can step out and hit a three. I don't think we're gonna see Ryan Kalkbrenner trying to close out on Rinkmast from three. I think he's gonna be inside at the rim. I think there may have to switch some guys onto him, you know, depending on who the four is in the game at the time, Mason Miller, Trout, Green, you know, they might have to go chase Mast off the three point line and you know leave Calk leave Kalk-Brenner inside for whoever, you know, is you know, whoever's closest to him. You know, Nebraska, you know, Nebraska, they a lot of their points in these last couple games have been coming from the free throw line. Well, Creighton, they're the number one team in the country, uh, in terms of free throw attempts, out at of field goal attempt, defense. They don't foul. They don't allow a lot of you know opponent free throws. Uh, they're pretty solid at defending without fouling. You know, we're only seven games into the year. And then the flip side, Nebraska's been fouling a little too much. But Nebraska's defense, you know, we heard about it after the Cal State Fortin game. Fred Hoyberg, you know, thinks they've kind of lost their edge on the defensive end, you know, in the last couple games. You know, the Cal State Fortin, Duquesne game, they you know, they got out rebounded by Duquesne, they kinda got punched in the mouth, you know, by Duquesne a little bit. And then Cal State Fortin, you know, they let their best player go off and it was kinda you know you know, they won won that game by thirteen, but it kinda, you know, it just wasn't wasn't the prettiest, you know, of effort. For Nebraska defensively, I think defense defense is going to tell the is going to tell the tale. I think there's some things that Nebraska does on offense that could give Creighton's defense some problems. Um, I don't think they're you know we'll see you know with Alec and Mast if they're both out on the perimeter if Alec if, wants to go bang around inside against against Kalkbrenner um, or if Rink you know we heard Rink Mast say he watched film of Walker from last year maybe he's gonna. Tried to just go up and over him like Derek Walker did last year. But I don't think Koch Brenner has mono this time around. But I, you know, we'll I don't think I think Rink and Josiah like, Alec are going to be playing with uh no fear um, inside on Sunday. Watching that Oklahoma State game, I mean, they had four of their five Cre- Cre- Creighton Oklahoma State game, four of Creighton's five stars and double figures. They all had 15 or more. They only had five bench points. They kind of short bench. Um, but back to what I said earlier, they don't foul. So, like, we haven't seen what foul trouble would do to this Creighton, Creighton team because they don't, we haven't. We just haven't seen it yet. And, you know, Creighton was 15%, not 15, 52% from the field and three against the Cowboys in Stillwater. But, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, I look at that game for Creighton, kind of like I look at that Oregon State game for Nebraska, like, it's also you know two black and orange schools who have osu on their chest but you know they're they're power conference opponents but they're not you know they're not near top of the line they got some pieces but oklahoma state that's a weird team mike boynton three and four on the year i don't know where that'll end up but you know even going back to that colorado state game on thanksgiving i mean i i know that coaching staff really well Um, i had some conversations with them and you know their their uh their their game plan was simple, and it was you know to take smart shots no matter what the shot clock was at, close out hard close out with with physicality on shooters and um and just run with them and but don't rush like that's the thing with creighton you know no team is gonna wanna get into a track meet with them um regardless of how deep their team is regardless of you may be questioning their athleticism, but it's all about, you know, quality shots, quality attempts. You know, you got to you know not rush into things, not be forcing too much. And that's, you know, in a big atmosphere, big environment, like this game on Sunday is going to be. That's a big question for Nebraska. Yeah, my biggest question for Nebraska is, is the defensive game plan the same? Is it just going to be that same emphasis, physicality, toughness going right at going right at you um but i also worry i worry if they have to get into the scramble drill um you know on you know they're gonna double rank runner uh they double everybody on the baseline you know they try to force try to force teams to the baseline so they can trap force a turnover and then maybe get a run out or you know transition baskets we haven't really seen that um you know in this these first couple games but i think they're they're going to be doubling corprenner no matter you know alec gary mast you know whoever whoever the big men uh are in the game you know i you know i i, I what uh, what worries me from the nebraska perspective is if they're in the scramble drill on threes when you have guys like ashworth and shireman and you know even the the you know trout and miller you know on you know standing in the corner or pulling up from deep you got to close out Close out hard, not run them off even, but I mean, you got to, I mean, what, you know, the assistant coach Colorado State told me, I mean, physical closeouts, you know, that's going to be a key, you know, we didn't hear as much from Fred about how, you know, we had a tough, hard-nosed physical practice, but I mean, they're just looking to regain that edge if defense really wants to remain the constant that Fred Hoiberg has emphasized Um I'm interested to see how many threes Rink Mass takes. He was 3 for 3 against Cal State Fullerton. That is obviously something that could, you know, play into Nebraska's hands cuz we've kind of seen Rink has been two sides of the coin from three. He's either going over or he's going to hit a couple. If he can hit a couple, I think that would be enormous for Nebraska on Sunday. Um, You know, Alec, you know, he stepped out and, you know, he, he's hit a couple recently too. How's his perimeter game? Is he going to be playing on the perimeter? Um, these are all questions. I got plenty of questions. It's tough to get a read on this game. It really and truly is. I mean, looking at the projections uh, from the analytics sites, uh, Ken Palm says Creighton seventy four seventy two gives Nebraska a 43% chance to win the game. Bart Tarvik says Creighton seventy four seventy three gives Nebraska a 47% chance to win the game. Uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index gives Creighton a 65% chance to win. Nebraska a 34.8% chance to win. I'm expecting the spread to be about 3 or 4, given these Ken Palm projections and Creighton coming off a win. Um, I think it'll be about three or four. I do think the game will have to be in the 70s. I think, you know, we see the, looking at that Ken Palm Torvik projection. If Nebraska is going to you know be in it late or have a chance for this to you know, be something that hasn't been done since the 90s, I think the game's going to have to be in the 70s. You know, they're going to have to avoid that Creighton Avalanche run that is all too familiar. In this series, you know, we've seen games over the last 10 years that feel like they're over or actually are over by the first half under eight media timeout. And, you know, this game, the atmosphere that it's going to be in, you know, you're going to have to, you know, we heard Fred Hoiberg say, you know, they're going to make their shots. You just got to defend it as hard as you can and not get flustered if they go in and you know if the shots are going in you, you know nebraska's got to respond on the other end cuz i think this cr- the crowd the crowd the atmosphere the environment going to play a huge part it's going to be a hornets nest um going to be really charged up red out towels hopefully red jerseys it's going to be a whole it's going to be a scene on sunday um that's kind of my my overview um you know, there's a lot of intriguing matchups. I talked a lot about the Mast, Alec. You know, posts. You know, big man on the perimeter game. I think the matchup that's going to decide the game is Bryce Williams and Baylor Shireman. Uh, Bryce Williams, has kind of, you know, I, I've called him the 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 assassin, the killer on this team. Uh, he was one of the two guys we heard from talking to the media. Uh, it was him and Rink Mast, two guys who have not played in this rivalry before. But I think him and Shireman, two six seven guys, you know, Shireman loves pulling up deep from three, but he can also, you know, he's not afraid to go downhill, try to play, you know, in the mid range, maybe get to the rim. But I think that matchup, two guys who, you know, were, you know, Baylor Shireman, he's an Aurora native. He could have gone to Nebraska out of the transfer portal, um, chose not to. Um, he, he uh, you know, him, you know him and Isaac Trout. Um, you know there's there's a reason that uh, Creighton's game notes the picture is all guys from Nebraska. It's Jason Green, Baylor Shireman, Isaac Trout, Josiah Doltzer, and Joshua Townley. I forget his last name. Sorry, Josh, but he's a he's a he's a prep kid. I know it's is it Townley Thomas. I think so, but forgive me. But they they have all the local kids on there for a reason. I'm not gonna make a game prediction. I'm not going to say how I think the game will go. I know boohoo, hoo me. But I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be going deep into the second half. Um, you know, the games in this series, you know, Creighton's three and one at PBA, but I mean, the games in Lincoln are I feel like they're at least closer than the ones in Omaha. Uh, even that, you know, twenty sixteen game, my freshman year, the team that was nationally ranked with Mo Watson and Patton, the game was tied at halftime. I mean the game, you know, the crowd, the energy, you know, it some it says willed Nebraska to, you know, for the game to be closer in Lincoln. But that's my overview of this game. I'm the defensive schemes, you know, whatever Ryan Miller, Ryan Miller's Creighton's defensive coordinator, whatever Nate Lenzer and Adam Howard, you know, conjure up. Um, I think that's going to tell us a lot and we're going to see it early with how, you know, how the teams uh, come out. But I think there's some matchups that benefit Nebraska. There's some things they do on offense that could give Creighton problems. I still don't know what to think of Nebraska's defense. And with an offense first team like Creighton, that can be a little worrisome too. But that is the overview of the rivalry game. I'm not going to refer to it uh, as I-80 anything. I agree with Matt, Lo- Matt Norlander. Uh, let's not call interstate rivalry games you know names of roads. But um, Nebraska Creighton for the 57th time in history. On Sunday, 3 o'clock, um, if Nebraska wins, I will do a post-game pod on Sunday. Try to get it out as quick as possible. Um, if Creighton wins, we will have a recap um, before Minnesota, maybe before or after Minnesota. I don't know yet. Wednesday, Minnesota. That game's a must-win. You heard it here first. Uh, must-win game. Cannot, regardless of the results on Sunday, cannot by any means go to the barn and lose to Minnesota on Wednesday. But that is my Creighton game preview pod thanks for tuning in um if you have not yet you can follow the show on x twitter whatever you want to call it at stretch big pod if you have a q if you have a question that you want to ask me maybe an old story from my manager days maybe something about omaha basketball omaha central basketball if you're feeling extra dorky I'll get extra dorky with you. But if you have any questions about this season, maybe some old you know, stories you want me to tell, uh, you can email the show, stretchbigpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on X or Twitter at Jacob A. Bigelow. You can also find my work, Huskers Illustrated Magazine, huskersillustrated.com. It's where you can find it. Um, the reception for this podcast has been incredible. Um, I appreciate Each and every single one of you who has listened, left a review, provided good feedback, um, knew we had to uh, do it big for the Nebraska Creighton game, and here we are, almost a 45-minute long uh, preview episode for just one game. But we will see you on the other side. Um, Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Be sure to tell somebody you love them. I will talk to you again soon.